Good morning. How's everybody doing? Having a good time so far? Can we give Colton a hand and Pastor Jeff a hand? That was fun. Well, we are excited that uh, you've chosen to join us this morning. And uh, if you're new here, special welcome uh, to you. Uh, as a church, we seek to guide all people into a lifelong relationship uh, with Jesus. So everything we do, from uh, silly games to barbecues to you know, singing together uh, to the sermon, it's actually all about uh, inviting people into a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus. And we invite you to, onto that journey with us. We're excited about this series that we're starting called Chase the Lion. Let me hear your best lion roar. Oh, that's good. That's good. And this, this is a series about looking our fears in the face and overcoming our fears. Oh, how to get that shoe. There we go. I think that's Neil's shoe. And as we, uh, as we come out of the summer months, uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw the forest fires. Did, did anybody see the forest fires for themselves or... A few of you guys, we've all experienced the forest fire smoke. Yeah, I was, I was chatting yesterday with a, with a friend of mine who's a firefighter, uh, and obviously uh, Waterton was hit pretty hard with uh, the forest fires here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's a firefighter from Calgary, and he was telling me that as he was going, uh, he was called to go down to Waterton to help fight the fires, and on his way down, they were evacuating all of Waterton, and the highway was just full of full of people uh, driving north trying to get away from the fires. And he said, it kind of felt odd that you're driving and you're going towards the flames while everybody else is coming out. And he said, there was only about 15 people left, firefighters, uh, standing in the face of the flames as they're coming over the mountains, uh, you know, trying to shoot uh, the flames with the, uh, with the water. Uh, and you can imagine coming face to face with those flames. While everybody else is evacuating and driving away, you're actually driving into the flames, driving towards the flames. And we live in a world that encourages us to evacuate and leave when things are uncomfortable, when things are scary. But I believe that God is calling up a generation of people that are willing to look their fears in the face, that are willing to actually go towards the flames even when people are running away from their fears. And that's a little bit about what this series is about. Can we as individuals look our fears in the face? Can we as a community look our fears in the face and be bold enough and courageous enough uh, to see what God would want to do through us and in us as we do that? There's a group of people in Scripture that did that, and you can find it in 2 Samuel chapter 23, and they were called David's Mighty Men. It's a list of a whole bunch of guys that were willing to look their fears in the face. There's a guy named Josheb. He was against 801 odds against the enemy, and they stood his ground, and he defeated 800 people against one, Josheb. Eliezer fought in a battle, and he was so determined to win that, that he fought until his hand froze to the sword. That's determination. Shammah, against the entire Philistine army, stood his ground in a lentil field and didn't back down, and Israel won the fight. And then there's a guy named Beniah. And here's the story about Beniah in 2 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 23. You can read the scripture on the screen. 
There's also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Once, armed only with a club, he killed an opposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like these made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than any of the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three. And David made him captain of his bodyguard. Benaiah chased the lion into a pit on a snowy day. You got to wonder if there's a few things that were a little wrong with Benaiah. And what would you do if you came face to face with a lion? You know, the natural, you know, as soon as the optic nerve sees a lion, it goes to the, what's it called, the visual cortex, and then it communicates to the body. I think there's one thing that your brain tells your body to do. Run, right? But I Googled, I Googled, what do you do if you face a lion? Because uh, any good researcher checks Google first. And I, and I found out some very interesting things. And I actually need a few, a few kids to help me with this. So if you're in K to 5, put up your hand. Pastor Jeff is going to come. Pastor Jeff is going to come and pick a few people to help me, to help us understand what you're actually supposed to do when you face a lion. Just come right up on stage. Yep, come on up. Okay. Let's give our contestants a hand. They're about to face a lion. You guys come stand over here. Yeah, maybe one more. One more kid. What do we got? <laughs> Mr. Weeb. Oh, yeah. There we go. Let's give Mr. Weeb a hand. He's a kid at heart. Okay, you guys come stand over here, because uh, you're, you're going to face the line, and, and, and we want to, so uh, come over here, Steve, you're, you're with the kids here, he's just a really big kid. Okay, we're going to invite the line out on the stage. You look this way? Okay, so the first thing, I, so I googled, what do you do when you come face to face with the lion? And, and the first thing it said was, you got to scream as loud as you possibly can at it, Okay. So wait, wait, wait for it. When it gets on stage. <laughs> scream, you gotta you got scream. Okay. Okay, whoa, whoa, just wait, don't run away, don't run away. The, sec the second thing was, you actually have to throw stuff or shoot stuff at it. So, Nerf guns. Quick, 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 quick. Nerf guns. Oh, this, Steve, this one you gotta pump. Okay. I got it. Okay, so that's the first thing we yell at it. Second thing, we, sh we throw stuff, we shoot stuff at it. The second thing is if it attacks you, if it attacks you, you have to stand your ground. That was the third thing, okay? You actually have to, you actually have to fight it. Okay, here it comes. Go take him out. Go, 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 go. Come on, go, come on. Go, go, throw, it. throw the gun at him. Good job. All right, let's give our contestants a hand.
Let's give her line a hand. Neil, sucker for punishment. Okay, thanks kids. You guys can have a seat. So when a line, when a line approaches you, the worst thing you can do is actually run away. Benaiah, I don't think he Googled this, but he, he didn't run away. In fact, the line ran away from him. And most people at that point would be like, whew, line's gone. But Benaiah chased, chased the lion into a, into a pit on a snowy day and defeated it. Lion chasers don't run from what they're afraid of. They run to the roar. Everybody say, run to the roar. We don't know what Benaiah was doing or, what, or where he was going when he crossed the line on that day. But we do know that lions are about 500 pounds. They run 35 miles an hour and they got these things called claws. And that didn't deter Benaiah. He actually chased this 500 pound lion down. And if you find yourself in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, you have a problem. It's probably the last problem you'll ever have. But Benaiah didn't let that stop him. And you got to admit, killing a lion in a pit on a snowy day looks pretty good, pretty good on your resume. You know, I had a, had a paper route. I'm really good at Halo. I make a mean plate of nachos. And, oh yeah, I killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. So Benaiah was able to put that on his resume, and he gets his dream job to be David's bodyguard. Pretty cool job. But it all traces back to this fight or flight moment. I don't know about you, but I would ask, what's your tendency when, you're, when you face a line and whatever that line is like, whatever that line is in your life, is your tendency to fight or to flight? Are you the kind of person that runs to the roar or are you the kind of person that runs away from the roar? And are you going to let fear dictate the decisions that you make? Or will you run towards the roar? And not much has changed since this time in history, since this story. We all face these fight or flight moments. These moments to run when things get hard. These moments to run when things get scary. Or the moment where we're actually going to choose to look those fears in the face. And when we lack the courage to go after God-sized dreams, we actually rob God of the glory that he deserves. When we stop going after God-sized dreams, we actually rob God of the glory he deserves. And we rob ourselves of being a part of the the story that God wants to write. A God-sized dream is always bigger than your ability, always bigger than your logic, and always bigger than your resources. It's bigger than your ability, your logic, and your resources. That's how God gets the glory. If God doesn't do it, it can't be done. He wants to do things in our lives that only he can get the credit for. So let me ask a couple of questions. What's what's the scariest dream that you can think of? What's the biggest dream that you can think of? The riskiest dream that you can think of? And I know, I know, 
one of the hardest things when you think of dreams is actually asking the question, is God asking me to pursue this line? And I think here's a microcosm to consider when it comes to decision-making about these God-sized dreams. You know, there's a story in the New Testament about Peter in a boat. And if you're on a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm, you better make sure that Jesus says jump before you get out of the boat, right? But if Jesus invites you to get out of the boat, you don't want to stay in the boat because you might miss out on what Jesus has for you. So this is what the series is about. Asking Jesus, what risk do you want me to take? What line do you want me to face? What story do you want to write with my life? And the Bible calls this faith. Faith is two things. Faith is first the willingness to look foolish. Everybody say, willingness to look foolish. And I'd all, I think we'd all agree that Neil Gilbert did that really well this morning. Amen? Faith is the willingness to look foolish. You know, when I was uh, the age of some of these folks here in the first couple of rows, uh, I had a dream. I had this God-sized dream that I wanted, and this is going to sound foolish even for me to say this, I wanted to be a rock star. That's what I, that's what I wanted. I wanted, so I didn't even care about school. I flunked most of my grade 10 courses. I was so into music and wanted to be a rock star. And my, my friends that were in this band with me, um, they went to a college. They were one year ahead of me. And then so they went to this college. And then I followed them to college just because I wanted to play music and I wanted to pursue this dream. So I pick up and move away from my house, move to Saskatchewan. That's foolishness right there. So this is coming from a guy that came from Manitoba, so that's context. Uh, but while I was pursuing this dream, I encountered God in a profound way when I was at college. And I felt God give me a call in my life to, to pursue a different dream, to, to be a pastor. And while I was at college, I also met my wife. And, uh, and we would eventually get married, and we had three pretty cool kids, right? They're, they're actually sitting with us today. And if I wouldn't have pursued this ridiculous, foolish dream when I was in high school, I was like, I'm going to be a rock star and I'm, gonna, I'm willing to risk for it. I wouldn't have gone to college. If I wouldn't have gone to college, I wouldn't have heard the call to actually be a pastor. I wouldn't have met my wife. We wouldn't have kids and I wouldn't have been a part of this church for the last 13 years. And sometimes God, even if it's not the thing that's actually going to happen, God calls you to pursue these foolish ideas because he, he uses these in his plan to actually bring you to uh, where he's calling you to go. And I remember when I came to, when I came to Calgary, I was looking to, for a church to work at. I didn't have a church to work at, and I knocked, on, I knocked on a number of doors of churches. I didn't have any, didn't know anybody. I said, would you let me have an internship? And I, I had the door slammed in my face about four consecutive times until... Uh, SunWest took a risk on me 13 years ago. And, uh, and I made peanuts that first year, and we didn't know how we would make ends meet. And I was thinking, am I crazy? But when God puts a dream or a call on your heart, you got to get out of the boat because you don't want to miss out on what he has for you. 
And this is what we see over and over again in Scripture. Noah looked foolish building an ark. Sarah looked foolish buying maternity clothes at the age of 90. David looked foolish going into battle against a giant with a slingshot. Benaiah looked foolish chasing a lion. Wise men looked foolish following a star. Peter looked foolish getting out of the boat. And Jesus looked foolish hanging half naked on a cross. But if you're not willing to look foolish, you're foolish. Because Noah and his family were saved from a flood. Sarah gave birth to Isaac. David defeated Goliath. Benaiah killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Day the, the, the wise men found the Messiah, and Jesus was raised from the dead. If you're not willing to look foolish, you're foolish, and you'll miss out on what God has for you. And it's the fear of looking foolish that is preventing you from pursuing that 500-pound dream. And we have all sorts of excuses. Well, I can't change majors. I can't quit my job. I can't pursue that career. I can't seek out counseling. I can't share my faith. I can't pray for a miracle. I can't ask that girl out. But if you're not willing to look foolish and go for it, you might miss out. Lion killers don't know the results before they get in the pit. Sometimes we read scripture and we're like, oh, that's a nice story. But you forget that the guys that were actually living these stories didn't know the end of the story when, when it was happening. But now I didn't know he was going to get out of the pit. So that's the first thing. Faith is a willingness to look foolish. Second thing, faith is unlearning our fears. Can you say unlearning our fears? You can run away from what you're afraid of. You can evacuate. You can leave. But the reality is you'll end up running for the rest of your life. And there's thousands of fears and phobias. There's acrophobia as one example. That's the fear of heights. Anybody got fear of heights? That's me. That's Callaway Park is too extreme for me. You guys laugh, but it's, it makes me, ah, I can't do it. Um, I did do the green roller coaster this year. Whew, that was a big deal. There is uh, ballistophobia, which is fear of bullets and missiles. I, but I think that's a pretty good fear. I don't know. Maybe that one's okay. Uh, there's a Nover Novercophobia. Get this. Fear of your mother-in-law. <laughs> That's a real fear. Amen. I, I get that one. Uh, I'm also afraid of my wife's mother-in-law. <laughs> Just want to apologize to my mom who will watch this on video. But psychologists say that we're born with two fears. We're born with a fear of falling and we're born with a fear of loud noises. All other fears that you have are fears that you've learned. All other fears you have are fears that you've learned. And I think if those are fears that we've learned, those are also fears that we can unlearn. Faith is unlearning our fears. So how do we unlearn our fears? Well, 1 John 4.18 says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. I have some fears. I have a fear of failure. But the cure, 
But the cure for the fear of failure is not success. The cure for the fear of failure is actually failing and recognize that your failure doesn't define who you are. You fail enough and you grow an immunity to it because you recognize that God's love and acceptance and who you are is not dependent on your success. And some of you need to risk not just to succeed, but you actually need to risk to fail. And you need to recognize that as we fail together, that God's love is enough. And we unlearn this fear. For some of us, a little failure would be the best thing that could actually happen to you. If you focus on not making mistakes, you'll never make a difference. And God's calling you to make a difference. So use your imagination with me for a second. This isn't in the Bible, but it's totally realistic to think that something like this happened, right? So, you know, every night, you know, David is putting his kids to bed. He has a boy named Solomon. And if his kids were anything like my kids, sometimes they want to hear the same story. You know, when my kids were younger, they just loved the story of David and Goliath. So we, we read that like all the time. You know, I wonder what story, Benai, or what story Solomon was asking his dad to tell. And you can just picture Solomon saying, God, tell me that story of the, the guy that went into that pit on a snowy day and killed the lion. Tell it again. Tell it again. Eventually, Solomon would become king. Forty years later, he became king. And Solomon had a decision to make. He needed to appoint somebody to be commander-in-chief of his army, the second most powerful person in Israel. Who do you think he chose? Who do you think he chose? Take a guess. Beniah. Beniah. He grew up hearing stories of Beniah, and when the time came to pick his commander-in-chief over the army of Israel, he chose Beniah because Beniah lived a life that was worth telling stories about. Are you living a life that's worth telling stories about? Are you living a life that is going to inspire others? I know it's kickoff morning, and this might sound a little bit morbid, but I just want to let you know that at some point, we're going to die. It's true. It's true. Hallelujah. There was a research done about 20 years ago by a psychologist who was looking at the regrets of people, uh, what people regret. Interesting thing. There was two types of regrets he was asking about, action regrets. So things you did that you wish you hadn't. Okay, those are action regrets. And inaction regrets, things you didn't do that you wish you had. Does that make sense? Action regrets, things that you did that you wish you hadn't. And inaction regrets, things that you didn't do that you wish you would have done. When people that were interviewed that were younger, about 56% of them said they regretted action, they had action regrets, things that they had done that they wished they hadn't. 44% um, had some inaction regrets. So it's pretty close. But interestingly enough, when they were on their deathbed and they were interviewed and they were asked about regrets, 86%, everybody say 86%. 86%. 86%. 
86% of the people that were on their deathbed had the regrets were inaction regrets. 14% their, their biggest regrets were those of action, things they'd done that they wish they hadn't done. But 86% people regretted the opportunities they left on the table. People regretted the 500-pound lines that they actually didn't chase. My guess is at the end of our lives, the things we are going to regret are the opportunities that we didn't take, the lines we didn't chase. So let me ask you a question. If you couldn't fail, what dream would you go after? Have you ever heard this question before? If you couldn't fail, what dream would you go after? It's a good, good question to consider. But a better question to consider is, even if, you, even if you knew you would fail, what dream would you still go after because you couldn't live with yourself if you didn't? Even if you knew you would fail, what dream would you still go after because you couldn't live with yourself if you didn't? What lion, what 500-pound lion is in front of you that God is calling you to look in the face and fight? And this series is an invitation to quit focusing on your fears, quit focusing on the lion, and actually focus on the lion of Judah. And the lion of Judah is what Scripture call is a name and a title that Scripture uses for Jesus. And Jesus has unconditional love for you, and that love casts out all fear. And the scriptures tell us that Jesus already stands in a victorious position. We already know how this all ends. And so if you line yourself with the line of Judah, you can't lose. That's good news, right? So we're free to fail. So what's the line that God's calling you to face? And what are the 500-pound lines that God is calling us to face? I want to invite you to stand with me. See, lion chaser, chasers measure everything against the Almighty God. They measure every 500-pound line against the line of Judah. And it's not in our own ability that we have the confidence to face our fears. It's actually because of who Jesus is that we have confidence to face our fears. I invite you to close your eyes. Some of you, as I talk about this metaphor of a 500-pound line, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But some of you have been running for fears for, for such a long time that you've actually stopped dreaming. You've actually stopped asking God what these lines are that he's asking you to face. And I want to pray in a second. I want to invite you to hold your hands out just as a posture of receiving what the Lord might have for you. <clears throat> and for those of you who know what this line is, I'm going to pray for courage for you to face it. For those of you who feel like you've stopped dreaming, and in full confession, I would say, I feel like I'm in actually that boat in this season. Like, I realize as I'm preparing this that life has gotten comfortable. The, um, the risks seem higher. You, know, you get married, you get a mortgage, you got kids, and all of a sudden we stop asking God for God-sized dreams. And what I'm excited about in this season is I feel like that's, it's, it's time for us to say no to running, no to escaping, and to ask God, God, what are you asking me to chase? So if, if you're willing to hold your hands out as we enter this season together to say, <clears throat> or as we pray, and let's ask God. 
Uh, God, there's some people in this room, Lord, that they, they know exactly which line is in front of them and they've been ignoring it for a long time. Lord, I pray that you would give them courage, not in their own ability, but in your infinite, unconditional love to risk, to step out of the boat, to live a story that's worth telling because you're the one that's writing it. Lord, there's some in this room this morning that have stopped dreaming. They've actually stopped asking, God, what do you want to do with my life? Which, which lines are you actually telling me to chase? And we've gotten comfortable. But Lord, we know that when we come to the end of our life, we're not going to be okay with just living a comfortable life. We want to live a life that is in pursuit of the best that you have for us. So God, would you inspire dreams? Would you inspire ideas? Would you, would you rise up dreams and courage in us? Lord, even for us as a, as a community of people, Lord, there's, there's 500 pound lions that you're gonna call us to chase that we can only chase together. Lord, would that even become clear in this season? So Jesus, we thank you for your unconditional love. We thank you that you are the Lion of Judah. And we thank you that the victory is already won and so that we can move forward in courage. We can move forward in love and fearlessness. In Jesus' name, amen. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? That's what we're singing. And uh, we just want God to rise up a spirit of courage and faith among us this year. And so we hope you'll, I hope you'll join us in this journey. Uh, I think, uh, how many of you guys are afraid of something? Okay. If you're wondering what your 500-pound dream is, the 500-pound line that you have to face, um, you can keep playing, Chris. That's okay. Yeah. Um, if you're wondering what that is, maybe a good place to start is just to ask God, what am I afraid of? And I think that'll start to help make that clear for you. Again, we have a barbecue happening now, and so we invite everybody to join us, uh, whether you have brought the five bucks or 20 bucks uh, for your family or not. Uh, we just kind of do that just to help cover costs, but we don't do that uh, to make it exclusive. And so, uh, so please just come. Uh, we would love for you to join us. We got bouncy castles and all that stuff with the kids. Um, there's a prayer team that'll be available at the end of the service. If you want prayer for anything going on in your life, after each service, we have the opportunity. Uh, we give you the opportunity to, to receive prayer from our, from our awesome prayer team. Uh, so please feel free to come forward for that. Um, other than that, we're looking forward to the next four weeks together. Please join us. Uh, and uh, we'll see you outside at the barbecue. Have a great week.